Hey everybody, welcome to this special episode of the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Yeah, we're back with another bonus episode. Bonus episode! We're continuing on our My Favorite Movie series. Yeah. And this is where one of us, or both of us, sits down with a CEO, or an owner, or a master distiller of a whiskey distillery, and we're trying to kind of marry this film and whiskey thing. We talk to them about their process, their product, what it's like to be in the business, but then also... Hey, what's your favorite movie? Let's sit down over a glass of whiskey and let's talk about it. And so far, we have been sticking to kind of local distilleries, right? Brad local and I. Local to? To Ohio. Ohio. Brad and I are Northeast Ohio guys. I mean, you're living in Columbus now, but you've been grandfathered in, right? right. And so today we are going to take a trip to Worcester, Ohio, which is in Northeast Ohio, uh, kind of a smaller town. And in this little town of Worcester, Ohio, we have found an incredible distillery that's a father-son team. They call it Minglewood Distilling Company. Now, Minglewood is owned by a guy named Mark Morrison, and he is the founder, the owner, the CEO, and the master distiller, and it's just him and his son, and they're turning out some fantastic bourbon down there. The really cool thing, Brad, about the interview that we did, I sat down with him a few weeks ago, and we talked about his favorite movie. Care to take a guess? I have no idea. No idea. His favorite movie is The Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption. And the cool thing is, Worcester is is kind of in the general vicinity. Of Mansfield, Ohio. Mansfield, which is where Shawshank was filmed. Right. At an old prison that had been kind of decommissioned and shut down. And so it's his favorite movie because he has so much personal history. And you're going to hear in the interview, he actually worked at the reformatory for a while. Really? So, you know, it's, it's something that's super personal to him that... When he watches it, it reminds him of, you know, his teenage years working at the reformatory. But again, what a fantastic movie. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins. Have you seen Shawshank? Oh, I've seen Shawshank. So we're going to throw it over to our interview from a few weeks ago. We sat down in the tasting room at Minglewood Distilling, sipped on some bourbon and talked about the Shawshank Redemption. Let's listen in. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming down to Minglewood Distilling Company. Thanks for having us. We we had a really great tour uh, of the facility here just before we hit record. So I'm going to make Mark repeat himself a little bit here. But if you don't mind, why don't you oh. share a little bit with us about the history of the company? Minglewood Distilling uh, is a fairly young company. We started production about three years ago. We currently make bourbon, vodka, gin, rye whiskey, and a cinnamon whiskey, and we're also working on a few other products. The tour that uh, you and I had in the back room was kind of interesting because we are in full mode of baking bourbon right now. It's a great time of the year for us to work on bourbon. Nice cold weather the uh, for cooling water, but yet also the corn has been freshly harvested and in good cold storage right now, so it's a great time to get into it. So uh, I, I did like the fact that when you said you rolled into the distillery that you could pick up the aroma. After working here for so many days straight, <laughs> you know you don't smell that wonderful smell anymore unless sure. you're away for a while, so that was kind of interesting that you were able to pick up on that from outside. Well, it was that great Ohio corn. <laughs> That's know. right. Thank you. Yeah. Only, only the native Ohioans can pick up on that. Well, so. thank you. And I want to kind of hone in on that because you were sure. telling me that almost all of the ingredients that you use are, are locally sourced and some within just a couple yeah. miles of here. Absolutely. We have uh, some really great local farms that have been, you know, passed on from gener- generation to generation. I believe our rye farmer is in his fourth generation right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is amazing to think that, you know, you're uh, that we're getting grains from a farm whose father's father's father bought the farm and started growing rye there or our corn farmer who is uh, some of his property is within two miles of the distillery to to really talk about table 
our field to table, it almost gets no closer than, you know, that corn being harvested right here in Wayne County within a couple miles of our distillery, made by, you know, two Ohio guys that are here, feet on the ground, boots on the ground, making it here. And, um, and then our newest thing we're excited about is even our Cooper is from the Ohio area, uh, Southern Ohio. So there's, once our product is made, it's going into a uh, Ohio made barrel with trees that were grown in Ohio soil. Just to me, that is so exciting that we are like, we just permeate Ohio. And I think that's awesome. That's okay with us. Thanks. One of the cool things that you were telling me was about the facility itself, which used to be part of a coal mine and absolutely not just, not just a coal manufacturer, but also ice. So we're in the old historic uh, Minglewood Coal and Ice uh, building. Uh, This building has been around for over 120 years and they sold coal and ice here. Kind of interesting the way it got its name. When a coal mine is discovered, it's tradition that you have to name it. And if you don't give it a name, it it could be bad luck. So the owner, when he uh, bought the coal mine, he went up and seen it. And uh, they asked him, well, what are you going to name it? Well, he hadn't really picked a name at that point, but he knew a couple of things. There was two other coal mines in the area. One was uh, Beechwood and one was Oakwood. So he said, you know what? We're going to mingle with these other mines. We're going to call this one Minglewood. <laughs> so uh, that's the Minglewood coal mine, how it got its name. That coal mine, that coal was brought here and sold and distributed from this facility. But uh, also, it was uh, we're in an old ice plant. Uh, they were one of the first sanitary ice plants in the area, and uh, they would make blocks of ice here, and those blocks of ice would be either picked up, you could come here and pick it up yourself, or you could have it delivered to your home or your business. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to the sanitary ice plant, they would have uh, harvested uh, ice from lakes and ponds, and uh, and then they would have packed it in sawdust and stored it in this building. The building has uh, very thick block walls and then eight inches of cork. Uh, inside there so they could keep the uh, keep the ice very cold and then packing it in sawdust it would make it all the way through the summer months so one of the things that we really love about being in ohio now brad and i uh, lived in kentucky for a while and we toured all the distilleries down there and a lot of them are really corporate and uh you know they're the big hitters in the industry the ohio guys are kind of the underdogs in the industry right now you know things are kind of stacked against ohioans when it comes to you know you can't get the kentucky straight bourbon certification because we're not in kentucky right absolutely And, and it's really cool to just see uh some of these I don't even want to call you guys a startup. You've been going for five years now almost. Mm-hmm. But to see these these littler underdog distilleries come up and just turn out a great product. You, you guys you know, are, our, our focus is definitely on uh, quality, not, uh, you know, not quantity. Yeah. And um, we are just so selective and so careful about our processes. Everything from meeting the farmer and, and understanding how he's treating his fields and how is he, how is he storing his crop? You know, when is he planting it? When is he harvesting it? Um, you know, and, and even you can just tell by the farmer themselves, mm-hmm. is this the type of person you want to get your product from? Do you trust your, you know, is your quality, is his quality is going to convey right through to your product. Uh, another kind of fun thing that we like to tell people is, you know, a lot of times you'll hear how special the water is in Kentucky, but you'll never hear them talk about the corn because right. the corn doesn't come from Kentucky. Right. <laughs> it comes from here. Right. It comes from Indiana. So we always kind of get a little, we think that's kind of funny that they don't talk about the corn, but they're not getting it from their own yard or their own two miles from their distillery. All like the things that give it flavor. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You got it. Ohio and Indiana. Well, speaking of underdogs, why don't we go ahead and start talking about the movie that you selected, about your favorite movie? Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption. I fell in love with that movie uh, a long time ago. And I do have a little interesting information about that is we are in Worcester, Ohio, and uh, Shawshank Redemption was shot in the Mansfield, Ohio area at the Mansfield Reformatory. Well, when I first got out of uh, high school, one of my first jobs was working for a uh, safety company. And I used to go to Mansfield Reformatory, the one that we see in the movie here. And uh, I would work on their fire extinguishers with one of their guards, and we would check the fire extinguishers mm-hmm. in the facility. And I still remember to this day the, how uh, cold and clammy it was in there and the little nooks and crannies and the dark spots that you always felt like someone could jump out at sure. you. And I even kind of think a little about that when poor uh, Andy Dufresne was you know, in the laundry room and stuff, and he was getting getting beat up, and, you sure. know, they were jumping out of the corners and stuff at him. I still remember that, so that, that facility. Now, how long at that point had the prison been shut down? Because it stood empty for a number of years before they filmed there, right? Correct. Um, well, it was shut down about three years. They shut that down, and uh, they closed it in 1990. I was in there when it was still occupied, and st- wow. there were still prisoners in there. So that would have been in the late uh, 80s, 1980s, there were still prisoners in there. Uh, definitely up the danger factor as <laughs> Absolutely. well. Absolutely. <laughs> the guard was right by my side all the time. They used to check our tools before we went in and counted all the tools and pieces that we had, and then mm-hmm. they counted them when we walked out to make sure that everything was still with us and wow. not lose anything. Now, Shawshank Redemption is one of those movies that uh, when they released it in theaters, it was not a huge theatrical hit. It was a smaller movie, and it wasn't until it kind of hit the secondary video market after it got all its Oscar nominations that everyone saw it. So do you remember when you saw it for the first time? You know, I do I do recall when it was being shot because that was a big, for Mansfield, that was a big thing. You know, sure. there, was, there was some money being spent in town. Um, you know, the actors were brought in. Uh, they were spending money on the on the reformatory to get it into a condition and compliance where they could shoot a video or shoot the movie in there. Uh, but the first time I actually seen the movie, at that time I would have been a young man and, and it may not have appealed to me. So uh, I believe I was probably in my late 20s yeah. when I watched it. So you're right, it was a sleep. It's one of those movies, too, you were talking about. It may not have appealed to you as a young man, but you know, one of the things I love about film is that you, if you hit a movie at the right time of your life, it really just no, speaks into whatever resonate it is. into you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, so when you watched Shawshank, uh, and you watched it just again last night, in yeah, preparation I did. For I, this. did. I got ready. I did my homework. <laughs> Who's your favorite performance in that movie? What's one that sticks out to you? It has to be shared between um, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, uh, or if, if you want to use their cast names, you know, uh, Andy Dufresne and Red, if you will. But, um, you know, Morgan, uh, Morgan Freeman just did an awesome job through that, through that movie, um, you know, with the narration mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, with, his, with the roles that he played. Yeah. So I'd have to say he probably knocked it out of the park. And I think that's when America found out that Morgan Freeman should just be narrating everything all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> his voice is so calming and, uh, and speaks with such, uh, such he commands, uh, you know, the, the, whatever he says, almost like it could be gospel. Oh, absolutely. After he says it. Well, that's why he played God, right? Yeah, yeah well, well there you go. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So when you come to this movie, you know, I think of so many scenes that, that stand out to me. The first time that Andy plays the aria for everyone in the, in the courtyard and then, you know, the, the sequence where Brooks gets out of prison, and well, that's always like the most heartbreaking part. It for sure me. is. Yeah. What what yeah. sequences, what scenes in the movie really stick with you? You know, um, oddly enough, when I, the first few times that I seen the movie, it might have even been, uh, you know, on on television, and I did not see the first 
probably 10 seconds or the first 30 seconds of the movie until uh, I watched it three or four times. Mm. And that's when uh, when Andy's sitting in the car and he's drinking a bottle of whiskey. Yep. He's got an old uh, Rosewood uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and he's drinking it and he's got the gun. And that to me is kind of, you know, put, puts, you, puts you in a frame of mind of understanding where he was at and how distraught he was at that time. Yep. So that to me in, in the beginning is kind of interesting that I, I missed that part. I, I just think there were so many aha moments through the whole movie. But probably my most favorite is when they, the warden is so upset that, you know, Andy is no longer in his cell. Where is he at? And he's throwing around things, and he's pissed, and he throws the one piece of uh, marble or, or quartz through the paper, and you hear the clink, 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 yeah. clink, and you just hear that stone dropping what sounds to be like a mile down to the bottom of a well. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I and then love you get that, that great like camera shot after he rips the poster down, and it kind of pulls back all the tunnel, way through the tunnel God. that he made. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the beginning of the movie, too, because I had the same experience. I don't know if maybe I had just seen it for the first time on TV. And they cut that scene out, but I feel like it wasn't until I actually bought the DVD that, that I could, saw the first scene of the movie. And it really is. Well it's case. a key to, to understanding, first of all, that he's not guilty. Yeah, I, I'm really shocked that you've had the same experience mm-hmm. as me. I think maybe, TNT has something to answer for. Yeah, maybe they touched it up a little bit as it got further along. <laughs> yep. So what other no- – I see that you've taken notes on the movie. <laughs> well, I kind of – one of the things that I thought was a little interesting is – I was trying to kind of wrap myself around the timeline and how long were were you know uh, if, if I was really to to immerse myself in this movie and to think it was real and and all this was happening was how long were they in jail you know was he in prison and how long was how long was Red in prison mm-hmm. and and how long was Brooks there and you know things like that and under and it kind of helped me really truly understand you know when when someone's put in prison uh, they're they're forty years is forty years. Yeah. You know, if we were to use kind of the timeline of the movie, in 1949 is when he would have been sentenced into prison. Mm. And then um, during the scene, or during as the movie evolves, a young man arrives on the on the scene by the name of Tommy, and he's kind of a rough and rough and tough punk kind of guy. And uh, that's when he uh, starts to put two and two together and kind of lets the cat out of the bag. Yeah. And that was in 1965, uh, according to movie timeline wise. Right. So, you know, he'd been in prison a long time. So that was kind of neat for me to yeah. think about that and to think that Brooke mentioned that he was in prison from uh, 05 or 06, I believe, right. when he was sentenced to, to uh, you know, to his life sentence. You get that great scene when, when they let Brooks out, where he's kind of first encountering everybody having an automobile. Yeah. Yeah. You think about how long it's been that mm-hmm. he didn't even know what it looked like. And now, you know, I think it's the 19, late 1950s, early 60s when he gets out and everyone's got him and he can't cross the street. And yeah. you think about what it really must be like for these guys to try to adjust not back to normal life, but mm-hmm. to a, a culture that's moved on from them. Absolutely. And even if you think about the, the point that they, they weren't, uh, they didn't have some of the things available to them, you know, t- televisions and, you know, uh, modern conveniences that would, would keep them in communication, uh, be it phone or mm-hmm. internet, things like that, with what society is doing. Those guys were essentially locked away. Sure. And they had no idea what was going on and what they heard, right. you know, uh, through other uh, inmates and things like that. And so. you get that, that really cool setup that they do to mark the passage of time where when Andy first goes into prison, I think he has a poster of Rita Hayworth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. and then when, he, when he escapes, I think it's Raquel Welch. Raquel that Welch, yeah. 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 So you can definitely see how, how mm-hmm. times have changed. I think the warden calls her fuzzy pants or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that for me was like the timeline was kind of cool to, yeah. uh, in my notes that I kind of... Well, that's where that movie really ends up going to because, you know, at first it, it kind of seems like a standard prison movie. 
and you really see the relationship with Red start to grow. And by the end of the movie, it's, it's not a story about prison anymore. It's not even really a story about the Correct. redemption of the prison. It's those two guys mm-hmm. learning to form a bond. And, you know, yeah. when, you, when you get that final shot of them on that white sand beach, right. you know, and it, it's, it's, emotion, it's an emotional movie. I got to say, I had a little bit of the... Uh, Field of Dreams tears coming up in my eyes. Oh, at the, at the I, it, didn't, it didn't choke me up like that, but, you know, um, I think uh, for all of us, you know, being or maybe to know that somebody was treated that unjustly, mm. finally got what they deserved. Yeah. And to see him on the beach, you know, in the sun and, you know, and, and I prefer the hot, I, for me, the beach and hot weather, you know, versus the cold Ohio weather. I, I, that is just something I cherish. And to see someone that, that's at a beach like that, and, or that's where I'd want to be. Sure. Say a what nail. That's where I'd want to be. That's, that's right. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. I know that the cold may not be your preference, but we Ohioans appreciate that you're toiling away, making bourbon even now. Well, awesome. Thank you. Guys you guys are doing yeah. great work. Well, great. We, I appreciate you letting me uh, tell you or bend your ear a little bit about what we do here and uh, a little bit about uh, a movie that I just uh, like to sit down with a bowl of popcorn and uh, watch every so often. So thank you very much. That's Mark Morrison, founder, CEO, and master distiller at Minglewood Distilling Company.